I was looking for the real thing, so to speak. And um, so I became a Hindu meditator. That's Michael Austin. His search for spiritual truth took him all the way to India. There, he thought he had found a pathway to God. But it turned out to be a dead end. No, I didn't call it a cult at the time. But as soon as I got out of it, I looked back and I recognized I was in a cult for 15 years. The series we're presently in on GPS is entitled In Search of Truth. This is part one of a two-part episode here. We're GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Jim Kirkland. Phil Fleischman is on vacation, most likely on a beach, somewhere this week. As you heard Michael say moments ago, he thought he was becoming God and was hoping to be just like the guru that he had been worshiping. Billy Graham had something to say about that. God says, be ye holy, for so I am holy. If you don't, now Jesus Christ was the only righteous and the only holy man that ever lived. We called some people in India holy men. But Jesus was the only truly holy man of history. And if we don't live like Jesus and live as good as Jesus is, then we come short of God's requirement and God's expectation. You can learn more about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ right now at findpeacewithgod.net. Or you can call our 24-hour prayer line. Someone is always there waiting to listen and waiting to pray. The phone number is 888-388-2683. And by the way, that phone number and findpeacewithgod.net that address is in our show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. I grew up as an army brat, meaning um, my dad was career military, and we moved every two years. North Carolina, upstate New York, and Germany are a few of the places where Michael Austin and his family lived. Growing up, he experienced many different cultures, but faith in God was a foreign concept. I did not know what faith was as a kid. My family was not interested, especially my father, not interested in religion of any kind. So we were not a Christian family. They also weren't what Michael would call a tight-knit family. He did have a sister who was three years older. And on more than one occasion, she told him something really odd. In my youth, I recall several times when my sister told me that we were going to die young. He would remember her words many years later. In the meantime, Michael grew up, graduated from high school in 1963, and then enrolled at a college in Iowa. This was the beginning of the um, youth revolution, so to speak, uh, the hippie generation. It was also the peak of Beatlemania, when millions of fans around the world went wild over the four guys from Liverpool, England, the Beatles. A friend of mine and I, um, 
went to the movie A Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. And we thought that was the greatest movie we ever saw. And uh, the two of us actually both went off to California. Um, I applied to University of Southern California <laughs> to go to film school to learn how to make great films. He was accepted to the film school at USC, but Michael was adrift. His sister had moved away a couple of years earlier. Their parents were getting a divorce, and he had no real concept of what it took to be preparing for a career. My family was coming apart. I was a drifting, homeless, familyless, <laughs> pretty bad, pretty bad recipe. In college, in USC, I encountered the West Coast drug culture and uh, started smoking marijuana, and uh, things got worse. So as a junior, I dropped out of college and went to New York, got a job in a film stu editing studio, basically as an intern. It wasn't a real job. At that time, a friend Michael made in New York City encouraged him to meet a guru, that's a man who practiced Hinduism and taught a certain type of meditation. Michael was known by his friends as a spiritual kind of guy who was interested in religious experiences. It was because he was searching for truth and meaning in life. I met this individual who was teaching a type of meditation. And when I experienced meditation, that was the end of my habit of uh, with marijuana. I, Drop that in one day with no no withdrawal symptoms, no regrets, no no problems. Just that was done. In this guru, Michael began to believe he had found a pathway to God. That's that's the way it's referred to in the uh, in the Hinduism. They believe that there's many ways to God, and they believe that there's many gods, and uh, they also believe that. We are God. And so I believed that I was following God and I was becoming God. Soon, Michael had an opportunity to go to India to meet his guru's guru, his teacher's teacher. He jumped at that chance. So I was looking for the real thing, so to speak. And um, I followed that guru for 15 years. So I became a Hindu meditator, and uh, I was worshiping a guru who I thought was God, and I thought I was becoming God. That's Hinduism. Very interesting in that we Christians have a problem, if you look at religion from the point of view of problem and solution. The Christian's problem is sin. The Hindu's problem is that he has forgotten that he is God. And his explanation of that is that the mind has gotten in the way. Michael was trying to become self-realized, which is the ultimate goal of Hinduism, to kill the mind and to get it out of the way in order to merge into the universe, or as Hindus see it, to merge with God. I was worshiping the self. That was our God. In the Hindu lexicon, we were worshiping Shiva. And he wasn't alone. Back in the 60s and 70s, a number of prominent Indian gurus came to America and enjoyed success. 
Americans converted to Hinduism in droves, and you can still see evidence of that trend today, perhaps most notably in the immense popularity of yoga, something Michael's going to speak into later. But back to his story. He became deeply involved with a well-known Indian guru named Muktan Amda. And what we did was we brought him and his entourage to America. We had purchased a resort in upstate New York, converted that into what's called an ashram, which means a retreat center, a monastery, um, a, uh, a holy place. And um, he came and visited, and then we went on tour around the country and then back to India. And that started my, that was a part of my 15-year journey in this uh, Hindu world. During those 15 years, Michael traveled back and forth from New York City to the ashram in upstate New York and to other parts of the country and around the world. He would sometimes drift away from Muktananda. He even left to finish his college degree at one point, but he was always drawn back. We would get up in the morning and, and pray for hours. Um, meditate. I wouldn't say pray. I would say meditate. That involves prayer and, and other things, repetition of mantra, visualizing. And then we would all meet and we would chant until lunchtime. And we have lunch and you have a period of rest. In the afternoon, we'd come back and chant for hours. It wasn't until later that Michael realized what he was actually taking part in. A cult. This was a guru cult. We worshipped the guru. Now, some people would uh, behave somewhat differently, but that was the practice, that was the focus, and that was the, uh, that was the intention. And that's why people would go there, uh, to be in his presence and to worship him. One of the things Michael respected about the guru was his vow of celibacy. He was presented as a celibate monk, holy man. And that's what I believed, and that's what led me to him. So that was part of my leaving one guru and going to another guru. I saw something. I can't explain this. I can only describe it as a desire for holiness. Now, that's my, my best representation of my motivation at the time. Michael lived as a celibate monk, trying to model his teacher. But after years of being around Muktananda, Michael began to hear some disturbing rumors. And over time, I'm realizing that um, he's not a celibate monk. He's abusing young women in the cult. Muktananda died in 1982. Since that time, several media outlets, including the New Yorker, have published reports that claim the guru repeatedly molested and raped women, some of them underage. Michael says he never personally witnessed any sexual crimes, but he knew deep down something was wrong and that he had to get out of there. I discovered that I had a conscience. I still had a conscience. And so when I learned that uh, he was not what he claimed he was, I 
decided that I needed to leave and to get out of that cult. Now, I didn't call it a cult at the time, but as soon as I got out of it, I looked back and I recognized I was in a cult for 15 years. And the very nature of a cult makes it hard to walk away. This is where Michael's story takes a turn. But before completing that turn, he makes a big decision. I got married in the cult. There was a woman who paid some attention to me. And so I uh, found myself getting married. It it was sort of like a, a train was coming by. The married train was coming by and somebody handed me a ticket and I got on. Now, at this particular time in my life, I was going out of the cult. Uh, The person that I married, I didn't know this, but I discovered this. She was coming into the cult. And we will follow Michael's story as it takes another turn, which we'll explore in part two next week. In the meantime, we'll end on a hopeful note with a quick fast forward to something Michael realized years later. I believe that uh, my heavenly father was protecting me my whole life. Michael Austin would later have an encounter with the true God that would transform his life. What about you? Have you had an encounter with God's Son, Jesus Christ? Jesus said there's only one pathway to God, and that pathway is Jesus himself. If you want to know more about him, pay us a visit at findpeacewithgod.net. In just a minute, Michael is going to share his thoughts on a topic he's passionate about, particularly after his deep involvement with Hinduism. The topic is yoga. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. God says, be ye holy, for so I am holy. Now, Jesus Christ was the only righteous and the only holy man that ever lived. We call some people in India holy men. But Jesus was the only truly holy man of history. And if we don't live like Jesus and live as good as Jesus is, then we come short of God's requirement and God's expectation. Billy Graham. God is going to weigh us by Christ. How am I going to get a justness and a righteousness of my own when I don't have any? I'm a sinner. I don't weigh enough to get to heaven. But on the cross, Christ provided a justness for me. He provided a righteousness for me that I didn't have. And I am acceptable tonight by God, not because I've been good or because I've read the Bible or because I've preached to crowds of people. I'm acceptable because of Christ. Do you know without question you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? As Billy Graham just said, there is new life, a fresh start available to you that can only be found in Jesus. 
If you want to learn more about making that decision, go now to findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Or call us at 888-388-2683. On this edition of GPS, we have been listening to Michael Austin's story of searching for truth. He spent 15 years in a Hindu meditation cult, and one of the things he practiced as a form of idol worship was yoga. And Michael would caution Christ followers to rethink the idea that yoga and Christianity are compatible. The postures and positions that people learn uh, in a yoga class represent these aspects of the universe, namely gods and goddesses. They represent, each one of them has a relationship with that entity and also words that called mantra, which is uh, repeated while you're doing these, uh, assuming these positions. So yoga, from my perspective, and I think this is truth, and that is that yoga is Hinduism, it's a religion, and it's not exercise. The Lord has led me to explain this to Christians who are bringing yoga classes into their church, not understanding what it is, thinking that it's exercise. Next week, we'll hear the conclusion of Michael Austin's story in this final installment of our In Search of Truth series. We would love to hear from you. Tell us what you have thought about this series. Also, what you might like to hear in our next series of GPS, God, People, Stories. So uh, whether you have a topic you want to know more about or you know a person who has a compelling story and experience with God to share, we invite you to email us. You can do that at gps at billygram.org. And also, if what you heard in this episode is something you feel compelled to share with somebody else, don't squelch that. Share this episode on Facebook. And remember, you can always visit findpeacewithgod.net. It is a safe space to ask spiritual questions. In fact, you can chat through the website with one of our trained volunteers and learn more about Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I'm Jim Kirkland. Remember, part two of our story is next week. We always appreciate your listening to GPS, God People Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. This is-